All right. It's always fun to see the the kids and the pictures and <laughs> Well, we're 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 in the middle of a message series on God's purposes for our lives. Um Today we're looking at the fourth purpose that God has for us. And um, this really, again, answers the question, what on earth am I here for? Why am I on this earth? What am I placed here for? What am I here to accomplish? What is life really all about? Um, You guys are all familiar with Elvis Presley. You guys remember, some of you remember him. I don't remember him. but, um, But Elvis, he died unhappy and unfulfilled, according to his friends. In an interview with his wife, Priscilla Presley, we have this quote, you don't have it on the screen, but it says, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life truly was. It says he was here for a reason, maybe to preach, maybe to save, maybe to care for people. But that agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it. So, he'd go on stage, and he wouldn't have to think about it. You know, he would just suppress that thought, suppress the desire to figure out what his purpose really was. You know, we have all been looking for purpose in life. All of us want to know what in the world are we here to do? What are we on earth for? What, what has God shaped me to do? Today we're looking at the fourth purpose. And Ephesians 2.10 gives us the truth here. God says in the Bible, we are, it says we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We were made, all of us in this room, everyone on the planet was made to contribute something. You were made to contribute, not just consume. We live in a society of consumers. We're all consumers. We buy stuff. But we also take that consumer mentality into our relationship with God. It's very easy to just think, I'm a consumer. God, give me what I want. It's easy to come to the church and think, I'm a consumer. People, give me what I want. But God says, He has actually made you to be a contributor in life. We are His workmanship, this verse says. That word workmanship in the Greek is, the Greek word is poema, which means poem. You know, God has written this story about our lives. He's shaped us, He's crafted us in a very unique and specific way. We are His handiwork. We're not just accidentally here. We're not, the way we look and turned out and think and the way we are, that's not an accident. God designed us. He shaped us in a very specific way. There's no one exactly like us on the planet. You might see you know, someone who looks a little bit like you or even a lot like you, but there's no one exactly like you on this planet. You and I were created, actually, and we've also been equipped. We've been given the desires and the gifts and the skills to serve people. And one of the men in the Old Testament, even amidst great pain, he understood this truth. He said, your hands have shaped me, and you made me, God. He understood that he was just not, you know, he wasn't, you know, here by chance, but he had been purposefully made by God, our Father. Uh, some of us are reading a book, The Purpose Driven Life, and we're, we're kind of nearing the end of this book. But in the book, we've been looking at these these five different purposes, and this this fourth purpose, you find this... Uh, this acronym that is used, it's called SHAPE. And um, I'm gonna, I've got a little prop here that I'm going to pull out. And it's kind of appropriate for Mother's Day, I feel like. So, I can't get it. It's falling apart. 
Here it is. So we got a couple of Mr. Potato Heads here, and hopefully you can all see them. Some of you moms have probably cleaned these up, looking for parts. You find stray parts all over the place. Everybody probably can see those, but I thought I'd use this to kind of illustrate something that comes up in the book and how the author, he describes how we've been shaped. We have been formed. We're all very different. Um, but he uses that acronym SHAPE. You see it in your listening guide there, S-H-A-P-E. First thing is the author says that we have spiritual gifts, okay? We, we've been gifted spiritually by God. And this is if you've decided you want to follow Christ. If you've made Jesus Christ the boss of your life, you've received His forgiveness in your life, then what happens is His Holy Spirit, God's, God the Spirit, comes to live inside of you and to indwell you for your whole life. He brings power into your life, but he also brings, he's kind of like, he seals us, he seals our relationship with God so we don't have to worry about losing this, this new life. But he also brings with him some things into our life. These are called spiritual gifts. The Bible talks about those in three places. Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 all give us a listing of all these different spiritual gifts that God brings into our lives. And so to illustrate that, I figured I'd just use this guy here. Um, this guy, his eyes and his ears, maybe those are representative of this part of the shape, our spiritual gifts. You know, some of us have a gift of mercy, a gift of encouragement. You know, you listen, you're able to see needs. But the Scripture says there's gifts of leadership, there's spiritual gifts of hospitality, mercy, encouragement. There's gifts of leadership, of teaching. There's, you know, there's all these different gifts that God has put in people. And so scattered throughout this room, you have some spiritual gifts that God has, has put in your life. He wants you to use those for service. Another thing is the H stands for heart. We have, we have inside of us a desire or a passion for certain things and not for others. So I figured this would be, this represents his passion as his hat. This guy has a heart for Disneyland apparently. And so he, he gets fired up about theme parks and he gets fired up about, you know, the rush of rides and he just gets fired up about characters and movies. That's, that's what he's passionate about. You, you know, all of us here, there are certain subjects or certain activities or interests that when it comes up, you light up. You're, 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 you're glued to the television. You're glued to the conversation. You're fascinated by certain subjects because in your heart, you have certain things that God has, has put there, a desire. Well, God wants to use those desires to serve Him. He wants you and I to be passionate about certain things. The passion that I have for certain things would probably put you to tears. You might think, wow, that's odd that he enjoys those things or that, you know, he has a... But the same would go for me to you. You know, some of the things you get real fired up about, it, it wouldn't, you know, create much passion or desire in my life. But, but God has, has given us a heart for certain things. The A stands for abilities. Abilities is... Um, I'm, I'm illustrating with these shoes here. These are athletic shoes. You can't see the laces, but those are, those are his sneakers because some of us have the ability to do you know, certain things. Some of us are, have athletic abilities. God has gifted some of you. And you know, if you have athletic abilities, what that is is God is trying to give you, if you'll use that for Him, a broader ministry. He wants you to use your athletic abilities to reach out, to serve others, to get to know others. But some of you are artistic. You have artistic abilities. And you know, you, you, God wants you to use those abilities in art 
to meet others, to serve others, to love others. He's trying to give you a broader ministry. Some of you are more mechanical in your abilities. You can fix things. You can build things. You can diagnose things. You, you know, you're just engineering minds. Well, God wants, He doesn't just give you that ability so you can make more money. He's given you that ability so that you can serve others more effectively. So that when needs come up, something's broken, you say, you know what, I, I might be able to help here. I can fix that thing. I, I've, you know. See, God has wired us very, very differently. None of us are exactly the same. Personality, um, he's got this big open mouth here. You know, this guy, he's the life of the party. You know, he's just, he's the extrovert. And some of you are introverts. You know, some of you, you'd prefer to, uh, you know, to not spend too, too much time with people. You, you are energized by being by yourself, maybe reading a book, sitting in a hammock, sitting um, out on the porch, going to a park by yourself. Some of you, on the other hand, you just, you thrive going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. The more time you get with people, the more energized you are. <clears throat> Another thing is experience. The last, the E is for experience. And he is holding a camera. The camera represents his different experiences. He's collected some different experiences along the way. And, you know, there's things that have happened to all of us. Some of us have experienced some things in our family that have shaped our lives. Some of us have had some work experience that have, that have really shaped us, some educational experiences. Maybe you went to a certain school, a college, you, you traveled abroad, and you had all these experiences that really shaped who God has made you. Some of us have had some painful experiences. You know, some of us have, have lost loved ones. Some, some people in here, have, you're dealing with sickness. Your kids are sick. There's just these experiences. Well, God, ha- He doesn't waste any of that. He's using all of these things. He shaped us to be most effective in our service. And if you look at this guy, he's very different than this guy. God is, has equipped them to do some different things. Now, not truly because they're potatoes, but, but if you look around, we're all very different. And, and He's wired us that way. Not so that we'd be in competition with one another, and also not that we would envy what other people have, but that we would learn about who we are and that we would operate within our shape. Whether we learn to be most effective as we employ and use the things that God has wired us to do. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each one, this is up on the screen, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. You know, God has, like I said, He's put these gifts in us. The gifts are not just for ourselves. But God will use who you are to benefit other people. Sometimes we think, man, I've been gifted this way so that I can shine like a star, fly like an eagle, you know. But truly, our gifts are to be used to benefit the people around you, your family, the people in your life, people you work with, people you spend time with. God wants you to use the way He shaped you for their benefit, not just your own. And when we do this, we're fulfilling our fourth purpose. The fourth purpose is this. This is in your listening guide. My fourth purpose is to serve God by serving others. And we're going to try to move through this pretty quickly. But this is called ministry. When we serve, it's called ministry. The word ministry is often misunderstood. We often think ministry is the thing that's done by the minister alone. He's the one who preaches. He's the one who does funerals and weddings. He's there when things go wrong. And, you know, and, but truly, the word in the Bible that's used for minister is the same word that's used for service. So when you serve 
Anytime you serve, you're doing ministry. You are being a minister. So the guys that got up real early and pulled our church trailer out of the of where we where we keep it, you know, that they're doing ministry. That is ministry. They're being ministers. They pull it here, that's that's ministry. They're driving down the street doing ministry because we need that equipment here. Then the guys they get here and they they pull all these cases in here and they start unloading it and there's teams here to begin to form the stage because none of this is is ours and so that's ministry. We're we are being ministers. Then then there's people brewing coffee, setting out donuts, doing all this. There's people setting up the classrooms. Then those who come and teach our kids. And this is ministry. And so it's really important that we understand that when we're, when we're doing things like this, this is something that's extremely important to God. Ministry is critical for living our lives. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26-28, through 28, He reminds us that this is what our future holds. If we're going to walk with Him and take Him seriously, then ministry and service, is, it's going to be a big part of our life. We won't be able to get away from ministry and serving other people. Naturally, we think the longer we walk with God, then the more status we gain and the less service we'll have to do. But Jesus, He clarifies this issue when it came up amongst His disciples. Look at this verse. The disciples were arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom and who would, who would be seated in positions of glory and honor beside Christ and and Jesus said, you know what, that's the way that the world does it. But He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. You know, the thought crept into the disciples' mind of, man, we're getting some serious time with Jesus. We know this guy. We're buddies. We hang out. And so they're thinking, man, when, when, when you bring, you know, when you usher in your kingdom, can we get the, the, the spots right next to you so that people can serve us? And Jesus says, that's, you know what? He says, the world does it that way. They lord over their authority. And they keep people. The, the words used in the New Testament there is this idea of someone's being pushed. They're pushing down on the neck of someone else. They're holding and lording over their position and keeping others subservient to them. Jesus is saying that's not the way that it's going to be. He says, if you want to be great, you need to actually lower yourself. You need to become the servant, even the slave, if you want to be greatest in the kingdom. You know, for us as a newer church, you know, we don't have a building, so we lease this space. We just pay the money, we lease the space, and we haul in all of our equipment. It's easy to to let the thought creep in. I I can't wait until we get a place of our own. I can't wait till we get our own place. We could just leave all this stuff standing. You don't have to adjust all this equipment. We can just leave it all up. We could all sleep in a little longer. But again, what Jesus is trying to remind us of is we'll never graduate from service. If God blesses us with a place that we can, that we can meet at regularly, then we still need to figure out how do, how do we serve and use our gifts? How do we minister in that setting? But for Jesus, giving His life was the ultimate service and sacrifice. That was what was needed. All of His life, Jesus set the example of serving and set the example of ministry. Ultimately, though, He served by laying His life down, giving His life as a ransom in exchange for our lives. So all of our life, we will be learning to serve like Him. And learning to serve like Jesus requires three things. First is, learning to serve like Jesus means that we need to be available. Serving like Jesus means being available. We have to have some time in order to serve. 
Take a look at, Jesus, at this example here in Matthew 20. It says, Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted. They shouted this, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them. They told them, be quiet. But it says they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus, it says, He stopped and He called them. What do you want me to do for you? You know, He, he was available to them when they were asking for help. <clears throat> if you want to serve, if you want to serve the people around you, if you want to serve in a church setting, if you want to be a servant and do ministry, you have to be willing to be interrupted. If you're not willing to be interrupted, then you will never serve. You'll never get past yourself. And Jesus' ministry and His miracles typically happen in times when He was going to do something. He, had, he was moving to do something. He was headed in a place and He'd be interrupted. And, and most of the time, Jesus stopped and He met the need. He stopped and inquired what He could do. Proverbs 3 says, Do not say to your neighbor, Come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. It's just a reminder that we need to make ourselves available to God if we're going to serve. We need to be willing to serve if we have the opportunity to serve. Serving typically involves giving our time and giving our money. You know, something comes up in someone's life close to you and, and there's a need and, and you know, wow, I have the resources to meet this need. I have the, the, the money or I have the time to meet this need. Usually, if you wait and delay, you'll, you'll, other things will be introduced in your life and you'll, you'll come up with a reason to, to forget about the issue. And so it's important to just make yourselves available, to not live your life with no margin and no availability. There's some barriers here that could prevent us from being available. The first one is this, it's self-centeredness. This is kind of obvious. If we're too focused on our own needs, then we, we really cannot see past our needs to see what others need. Each of you, Philippians says, should look not only to your own interests, truth is we all have them, but also to the interests of others. We all have our own interests, but he's saying don't just look to your own interests, also make some room, make some space in your life for other people, for the needs of others. When we're so busy with our own stuff and our own goals and our own desires, then there's absolutely no time for serving other people. And I, I prefer to be served rather than to serve. We all love that. We love to be served. We love to get served. We love to serve ourselves. It's just a challenging thing, though, to look past ourselves. And, uh, but if we're not careful, what we can do is we can put like a do not disturb sign on our heart or on our life and just and completely shut other people out because of our self-centeredness. And this is a, this is a common thing for us. Every, everyone in the room is going to deal with self-centeredness at different points. So we just have to guard against that barrier. The second barrier is perfectionism. Perfectionism comes up an awful lot in our lives where we want things to be exactly, the conditions must be right for us to serve. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. A paraphrased version of this verse says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. And... Sometimes that's a barrier in serving. Conditions just aren't right. An opportunity comes up and you're thinking, man, I just, I just got way too much going on. I, I, it's, just, it's not going to fit into my schedule that I've got all laid out in this way. And so we have a really 
an ideal and expectation in our mind of what our day needs to look like, what our week needs to look like. And so service just doesn't fit into it. We have to be very careful with, with perfectionism. Also, if we serve in a way that, that it must be done in a certain way, then maybe people won't want us involved because it, maybe we're too hard to work with. Maybe we're kind of a porcupine when we get in serving opportunities because we need to be doing it a certain way. And so we have to be careful with perfectionism. Another thing is materialism. Materialism, you know, the love of money and, and acquiring things. Luke 16 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve. None of us can, can be divided and say, you know, God and His ways and serving people is really important and at the same time be, be worshiping money and the acquisition of more stuff. Money can be a real threat because we can get so focused on money and making more money and collecting and keeping our stuff in perfect, pristine condition that when serving opportunities come up, we say no to service because it might damage our stuff. Or we, we say no to service because um, it will take away from the time we had planned to make more money or to invest our time in other things that would benefit us materially. So watch materialism because that will, that will eliminate availability. The second thing is, serving like Jesus means being grateful. There was a real gratefulness in Jesus' ministry. As he went about his life, he, he didn't just get so wrapped up in what he was doing to thank God. He took time to pause. He would stop what he was doing and he'd, he'd reflect upon it and he'd thank his Heavenly Father for giving an opportunity to serve. Here in this passage, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had just died. And his sister brings the news to Jesus that her, her brother had died, and Jesus is broken over it. He begins to cry. And the Scripture says that he went to see Lazarus dead in the tomb. And here's what he does before he, before he does anything. He says, Jesus, it says, Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of of the people standing here. Then the passage goes on and Jesus raises this man back to life. He brings Lazarus back to life. But before he performs a miracle, he shows his gratitude to God. And he says, God, thank you for this opportunity that you'd use me, that you listen to me, that you hear me. And so often in our service, we get so going, going, going in what we're doing that we don't take the time to say thanks to God for providing us a way to serve Him, for, for providing us ministries to be a part of. You know, these band members up here, you know, this is the ministry of theirs. They're serving God. But it's easy to, to look at that and to not be grateful to God. You know, it's, or it's easy to do other things and not be grateful to God who's given you those talents and these gifts or the opportunities to serve. So this is a reminder to us that we're to be grateful. In the Psalms, this is what you see is a real gratefulness in the Psalms. There, there was this sense of the psalmist that he was giving thanks in what he was doing, constantly giving thanks to the Lord for his service. Um, this is a challenge, though. Gratitude is a very big challenge that can, that, again, it can keep us from, from serving. There are some barriers. Um, one of the things we're trying to work on with our kids right now is this idea of being grateful. And if we notice their attitude is getting really whiny and, and, and they've just got a bad attitude, then we'll stop them and we'll say, you need to say five grateful things. Now, my youngest son, he doesn't quite understand that yet, so he just doesn't get it. But, but my six-year-old, he gets that. And so he'll, you know, and the gratitude begins to help him correct his attitude. 
And you know what? I've caught myself in the same spot. And, and Erica will say, maybe you should say five grateful things, Josh. <laughs> and again, the gratitude changes my attitude towards serving. Because sometimes it's after a long, busy day and I'm just grumpy and grouchy. And I don't want to serve. And there's things that need to get done. And she's exhausted because it's been a long day. And my gratitude needs to be there. I need to be grateful as well. But here's, here's a couple barriers for, for gratitude. The first one is comparing and criticizing. If we're not careful, we can get real focused on what other people are doing. We can get real focused on what they are doing. You know, I want to be up on stage. I want to be doing these gifts. I want to be able to control the, the board in the back. I want to be able to you know, do these different duties. How come I'm not getting to do this or that? Comparison and criticism of others you know, keeps our serving at a very elementary level. Because oftentimes we also think in, in serving, I'm going to reach a certain status and then I'm going to rise above and I won't have to do the lowly things in life. But again, God is saying, look, if you want to be the greatest, you have to lower yourself and be the servant of all. And so if we ever get a point where we begin to compare, look at me, look at me, look at what I get to do, look at the role I get to play, and look at them, then we, we have to really watch that attitude. That, that's, <clears throat> that blocks our gratitude. It says in Romans 14.4, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. We don't have to be inspecting other people's gifts. That's not, that's not our role to inspect you know, the, the way that people minister. But comparison will steal your joy and it will give you also a false sense of gratitude. Another barrier is this, wrong motivations. Sometimes you're serving and our, our motives, we all have bad motives that crop up, but when those things crop up in our lives, serving can seem really lowly. And so when opportunities come up to do something, some of the dirty work, some of the things we just don't want to do, we might wait on other people to step in and serve and do those roles. We might delay our own involvement in order to let other people serve because we don't want to do the lower job. We want to let somebody else do that so we can wait for the opportunity to be promoted to, to the higher level status positions in life, the real important things. And Jesus, He warns against this. He talks about serving with wrong motivation in Matthew 6. says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You know, when we serve, there's opportunity for reward by other people. And if, we, if we're looking for the reward from others and the applause and the praise, we'll get that. We'll get that eventually. And that will be our reward. God wants to reward us far beyond just human praise. The third thing is this. Serving like Jesus means being faithful. Jesus was faithful in what He did. He was faithful to the very end. Near the end of His life, He prays this prayer. He says, God, I've brought You glory on earth by completing the work that You gave Me to do. He was, he was in essence saying, God, I have not slacked on my role and my responsibilities. I've been faithful to finish this. Jesus took full advantage of serving and ministry opportunities on earth. And even on the cross, he was dying on the cross. The very last words he said, you know, it is finished, he said. It says, he cried out, it is finished, and then he bowed his head. He gave up his spirit. And those words, it is finished, it doesn't just mean like I'm done breathing. What it means is my job has been completed. I have fulfilled my role. I fulfilled this responsibility that God has laid upon me. 
Jesus completed the task set before him. And when opportunities of service and ministry crop up in our life, we need to do the very best we can to finish well, to be faithful to the very end. And when you do, here's some encouragement from the Scripture. When you're pressing on and when you're being faithful, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. What you're doing really matters. It's not a waste of time to serve other people. You may think, man, if I help this guy, if I help this lady out, what a waste. I'm going to lose some time. But he's saying, look, as you serve, it's not a waste. It's not in vain. God sees what you're doing. That's part of your purpose that He shaped you for. Nobody needs to see the service we do because secret service makes all the difference according to Scripture. Hebrews says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help. You know, as we keep serving and ministering to other people, God, He doesn't miss that. Nothing slides below His radar. He will reward us in due time. So I hope that as we reflect on this purpose of, of service, of ministry, that we'd consider, how, how am I doing that? How am I doing in service? Am I being available? Am I being grateful? Am I being faithful with the ministry opportunities that God gives me? To leave this purpose out of your life, it, it, it shrivels us up as, as followers of Christ. For those of you who follow Him, you, you, we need to, to employ, we need to use this purpose on a regular basis. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for all you, all that You have um, provided, Lord, in our lives. And we thank You for the way You've shaped us. God, each one of us are very different, but that is an intentional part of Your design. Thank You, Lord, that we're no accidents and that You intend to use us for Your service God, we, we want to serve You by serving others. We want to serve You by serving even in the church, Lord. And so, would You give us a heart, God, to be open and available to that and to have our attitudes, Lord, in line with what is right, Lord. Help us to be faithful with the things that are already on our plate. Help us to evaluate things as they come up. Help us not to just say yes to everything and then cause it to create problems. or help. You know, We don't want to be dropping the ball on things if we say yes to too much. So help us to really think through our lives and just the real life um, practical application of this message, God. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you take out this card here, you'll see there's a, uh, some next steps on the left-hand side, and we usually have some next steps to give some application handles to the message. And Taylor's going to tell you about the first next step. Cool, yeah. My name's Taylor. I'm on staff here at OCC, and one of my roles is just kind of overseeing what we call our, our ministry teams. Um, if you guys all want to take out this handout that's inside your bulletin, I'm just going to run over it real quick. Um, in light of Josh's message on serving, I thought it'd be really helpful to give you guys an opportunity, if you're not already on a ministry team, to, to sign up for one. So um, the four ministry teams that we have here um, for you guys to sign up for, the first one's First Impressions. Those are the greeters that you guys see um, out in front of the worship center. And then here, passing out the bulletins, and then they also help with our offering. There's sight and sound that kind of does all of the audio and visual that you see um, here in the center for the worship experience. Facilities are the guys that are pulling the trailer early, um, pulling the trailer back afterwards. As Josh said, we set up everything, so they're setting up um, the classrooms and all the different kids' zone um, areas. And the last one is refreshments. They're in charge of um, all the coffee, donuts, refreshments. 
um, and then the decor as well. So there's two ways for you guys to sign up. Um, the first one is if you know...